Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. He's returned now for the third time. We spoke about uh, this his book, and if you're watching this on Rockfin, you'll see its uh, title is Maybe Everyone is Wrong, Revelations, Conspiracy, and the Kingdom of Heaven. And it was one of my most listened to shows in April. And uh, so I think people have an interest in this subject, the book of Revelation. And I kind of feel like we didn't go through everything uh, last time. And he sent me an email kind of kind of laying out kind of how he'd like to proceed on this discussion. So I'm glad to have him back. So Terry Wolf, it's W-O-L-F-E. And I will put a link to his website in the show notes. But Terry, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me back. I I love to hear that people are interested in this subject. I, I think out of all the there's a lot of conspiracy theory stuff. There's a lot of very good research happening. In the at the end of the day, though, in my heart, the thing that matters to me the most is getting our theology correct and getting our understanding of the Bible correct. Um, all everything else sort of will tie into that big picture. Um, and so for me, the the reason why I wrote the book, Maybe Everyone is Wrong, is because I was very disappointed in the existing theories out there. I don't pretend to know everything, but um, I at least wanted to explore it with all the resources we now have with the Internet, with the ability to look into conspiracy theories, to look at history differently than people would have 30 years ago, you know, when before we had all these amazing resources. So... Um, now the ability to look up all the different Bible translations and the Hebrew and the Greek and everything. It's so amazing to be able to go back and look at that from our vantage point, uh, because we have so many advantages the previous generations didn't. So, um, I'm not surprised people are very interested in this. It's, it's kind of in a weird way, it's almost new territory because of the fact that we just have so many resources, so many different angles we can look at it from than people used to right and also i think that some people are like they're seeing this kind of come into place this beast system mark of the beast you're just seeing incredible even in just in the last three years these uh digital passports they were trying to roll out or may roll out actually so you see that at least in the modern media social media at least my and you'll just see those revelations there's kind of a really funny meme of this african-american woman saying what part of the book of revelations is coming true today she's like looking out I think maybe I mentioned that last time, but it is. So it's still, I mean, it's interesting to see that people have an interest of like these things in this kind of like uh, COVID and the mass thing and, and the, uh, you know, white, white horse or pale horse rider and all this stuff. So people kind of are trying to figure out, well, how does this tie in? Maybe every generation did, uh, but yeah. not they, like you said, they don't have the access to, to reference this as easily maybe, uh, back in the day as they do now so they well, can really kind of look through it yeah yeah and since our last show um you know i saw i was watching a tim pool video where he had alex jones on which you know is always a rare thing for him to go on and and have this big discussion with somebody and you know it just sort of you know tim pool just sort of offered it up as like this hey uh you know what about this stuff that's happening you predicted all these things or you you know know that knew that they were going to do it and it sounds like the mark of the beast. He was just immediately jumped right into that notion that the central bank digital currencies, the biometrics, all of it's going to connect to this financial control grid that people think is the mark of the beast. And of course, I'm right there. You know, I, I you know, Hervoy Morich. Um, I do 
his show basically every week. I love staying current and up to date on how dystopian things are getting. And I am trying to expose it, of course. But with that said, I, my theory actually goes against the idea that the biometric digital currency system is the mark of the beast. And, and that surprises a lot of people because I, I think that is evil. What they're doing is evil. And they might even believe they're creating the mark of the beast. But I don't think that Satan gets to define what prophecy is. I don't think that the evil people get to fulfill the prophecies the way they think it, it works. I think that there might be another interpretation that they don't see. And what we're sort of seeing with all these, you know, the Bill Gates, the Klaus Schwab, all of these things, is sort of an exercise they're doing, uh, but it's not the true interpretation. And then the, there's a couple of reasons. All the different puzzle pieces, of course, are very uh, tricky to work with in Revelation, but I think I can put them together in a way that uh, people can see that it doesn't quite make sense for that to be the mark of the beast. And even using the term mark of the beast is kind of a misnomer because it's not that simple. Gotcha. So what's your what's your take on Mark of the Beast? So the Mark of the Beast, uh, when you actually go to Revelation chapter 13, you'll see that it, there's the first whole large part of the chapter is about the beast itself. And then there's a second beast that comes up from the ground and it has horns like a lamb instead of seven heads and ten horns. It, it's a different description, a different beast. But its job is to cause people to worship the first beast. And that second beast goes and institutes this thing called uh, a mark, um, an engraving, a, an etching or something like that in, in the Greek. And it's very clear. It does say, you know, it causes, he caused everyone, small and great, rich and poor, to obtain a mark in their right hand and in their forehead or, or in their forehead. Um, and no one can buy or no one is allowed to buy or sell unless he bore the mark of the beast. And then it says, you know, to explain, to clarify, that is his name or his number. And then so we're not talking about a physical mark, then we're talking about a name or a number. Well, OK, that's why people used to imagine literally the word 666 drawn into people's foreheads. I saw that imagery when I was a kid in church. You know, the idea that someday we're going to have people walking around with 666 written in their forehead. They took it literally. Um, since then, technology has allowed it to be very cryptic and, and microscopic and things like that. The last verse of the chapter says, this requires wisdom. Let the one who has insight calculate the beast's number for it is. Now, this is the translation in the NET version, which I consider to be probably the most thoroughly researched and well thought out translation. It says the beast number is man's number, not a man's number, but man's number. And his number is 666, meaning man's number, mankind's number is 666. Hmm. This, when I read that, it, made me really question this idea of the antichrist beast um i already didn't believe that because for for other reasons that that i can't really uh, afford to get into here but 
the idea of the mark of the beast being something that the Antichrist institutes that's a global financial system breaks down when you look at the symbolism because and, and the language, because it says that it is man's number and his number is 666. The, the best theory I can come up with here um, is by looking at the significance of the number six, that you have three sixes. Um, it's not gematria. Everyone uses gematria. They think you have to literally break down a person's name into numbers like you do in gematria. Um, I think it's much simpler than that, that six is the number of man because he was made on the sixth day of creation. He's the, the culminating part of creation. He's the, the capstone of creation. And, you know, it's just humanism um, to and atheism to exclude God from the from your theology, from your ideology, to have an entire world that rejects the existence of God is something that was actually um, unique in all of human history. It was unthinkable 2,000 years ago when this would have been written. We are living in a society where it's the default. We grow up right. being told there's no God, that's right. a man in the sky, it's, it's ludicrous and stuff. We're living in what they would have considered back then to be the most insane, backwards, upside-down, evil, satanic world thinkable, where children are taught that there is no God. Um, and so from our perspective, it's we don't even care about that. But for them, the idea that there would be a beast, what I call the beast system, it's not a man, it's a system, um, that brainwashes generations into hating God and, and rejecting God's existence and only having humanism be the standard of morality, uh, that's the mark of the beast. And there's all sorts of different ways that I can come at that to explain it. We do have to go back to Daniel at some point to understand why beasts are not people, why beasts are kingdoms. Um, it's very closely connected to the prophecy in Daniel. And, and if you'd like me to, I can go right there. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, because I think that's an important thing. This is part of the prophetic tradition, similar to Daniel and Ezekiel, right? These beast things that people are looking at as not symbol symbolizing human kingdoms or something else, but actual looking them at as real, like animalistic beasts, right? Yeah, and the imagery gets so close, it'll stand out immediately once we start reading it. Um, uh, just for people who haven't actually read Revelation, you know, you can see in Revelation chapter 13 where it talks about this, that the beast described there has 10 horns and seven heads. Okay, that, that's very confusing to most people. We start immediately, um, you know, we don't know what to make of that. Well, that's fine, but just look at Daniel chapter 7. 10 horns, seven heads. It describes Daniel seeing four beasts coming up out of the sea which the Great Sea is what it's called, and scholars think that means the Mediterranean Sea. And a kingdom rises up out of the sea, not literally, but in the sense that it uses the sea as its power to, to transport slaves and materials and all these things, all these great kingdoms. It's had a symbol to, of transport, right? Like being on the ocean is like... Its power kind like of derives yeah, from yeah. the success of capturing the sea and being able to transport 
all these huge materials and slaves and warriors and all these things. So these four different kingdoms, and we know what these kingdoms are. They were Babylon, Persia, Greece, and the final one is Rome. Um, the first one's compared to a lion. Second one's compared to a bear. Third one's compared to a leopard. And it has four heads. The third one has four heads, not one. And then you have the fourth one. If you add up the heads, that's seven. That's seven heads. The fourth beast, none of the other ones have horns, but the fourth beast has ten horns. That's Daniel chapter 7, verse 7. It says that it was different from all the beasts that came before it, and it had ten horns. So if you combine these things, you have seven heads and ten horns, and these are beasts, and they come up out of the sea, just like the beast from Revelation does. And then it says that um, later on, Daniel actually asks an angel that was there, and he says, what, what are these beasts? Well, the angel just says, these large beasts, which are four in number, represent four kingdoms or kings who arise from the earth. And so it says, the holy ones of the Most High will receive the kingdom and take possession of the kingdom forever and ever. And it's sort of a timeline that goes by. And what you see very clearly, for example, it says, while I was watching, thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His attire was white like snow. It gives this description of the Messiah uh, obtaining his power it says he keeps watching in this, you know, fourth beast never goes away. It stays literally until the end of the age, until the end of the world. It doesn't die. It just keeps crushing and consuming and incorporating what came before it. Um, it says he was watching until the beast was killed and its body was destroyed, thrown into the flaming fire. And then I saw one like the Son of Man approaching. He went up to the Ancient of Days. Um, he was given ruling authority. He, his kingdom will not be destroyed. This is talking about like the millennial kingdom of Jesus coming back in glory and setting up his kingdom on earth. You see that very clearly in Revelation. Eventually the beast gets thrown into the lake of fire. It's destroyed. Well, it, now we have the same beast being described from a different perspective, from Daniel is setting up the vision. He's setting up the idea of what these beasts are, what the horns represent. The horns represent kings and, and rulers and things like that. Um, but the, the key is that the fourth beast, which we know is Rome, lasts all the way until Jesus' return. It maintains its power until the very end. And so when Revelation talks about a beast, it's not that mysterious who that beast is because it was already there in Daniel and it has to last until the end. People thought Jesus was going, as the Messiah, was going to destroy Rome. That was the whole assumption of what Jesus was going to do. The Jews thought so. And that's actually why they rejected him is because he wasn't overthrowing Rome. Uh, but instead what he did was he, you could say he gave it a mortal wound. He he crippled it spiritually. He destroyed its ruling authority. Um, and that 
is sort of the idea of the the com combination of a spiritual and political kingdom, which is what the whole ancient world was. All, it's very, again, we're living in a strange period where there's not a combination of church and state, where there's not a, a religious government. Um, the secular government is a radical departure from everything in history. It's just like having atheism and materialism and, and humanism is is completely upside down to the biblical worldview. Um, and, tr and in truth, we are not secular. We are being ruled by Satan. It is a satanic world order. Um, there are spiritual powers still ruling things. It's just we're not acknowledging them because it's all based on deception. So from the biblical point of view, you have these beasts. They are kingdoms. Um, you combine them. What does it say in Revelation chapter 13? The beast I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's. Its mouth was like a lion's. Also directly pulled from Daniel. It's a, it's a hybrid of Babylonian, Persian, Greek, and Roman. And we know that the Catholic Church and the Rome did incorporate all mythologies and, and empires. The Roman Empire was became the mega power that never died because of the fact that it kept adapting um, to what its enemies were doing and incorporating their technology, even their mythology, their gods. They would just absorb the gods of other nations, which was very strange. And um, so that's the basis for saying that the beast in Revelation is not an antichrist. It's not a person. The beast is a system. It's a world empire. And the idea of it being wounded, which we see in Revelation 13, it says one of the heads, beast's heads appeared to have been killed. That's in verse 3. But the lethal wound was healed. Um, the whole world followed the beast in amazement. And it says that Satan gave his throne to the beast and uh, that he had the power to blaspheme and to um, overcome the saints and to make war against the saints and so on. And so the question then becomes the mark of the beast. So once you know that the beast is not a man, it's not an antichrist, it's this Roman system that it's going to last until the end of the age. Um, I think that everything else starts to, the fog starts to clear up a little bit and you can start to talk about how Rome has transformed through different stages over history. And you could very easily make the argument because we're not, again, when you're not talking about people, then it says that the second beast comes and, and he calls down fire from heaven and he, does these miracles and he deceives the world and he causes the world to worship the first beast. This is another organization, another institution, another system which rises up and causes the world to uh, give honor and glory and reverence to Rome, to ancient Rome. Well, I see that through, a, you go to Western history, that's all that it is. Western history, as we teach, learn it in schools even, is just this constant homage to Rome, the Greco-Roman right. society. That's all that it is. In one Look, way or another, right? And even your argument or the statement in Revelation that it died and came back, if you even look at kind of, I don't know, you can look at Gibbons, who had the kind of religious uh, kind of view or integrated it into his histories, his two things uh, that ended up kind of destroying the Roman Empire, the Western Roman Empire, were Christianity and barbarism. 
barber uh, barbarian. So he would he would kind of be in line right here with this book of Revelation and today of a kingdom. You you today you go you listen to Steve Bannon, you listen to Breitbart, you listen to whatever, you listen to all these different intellectuals who are really connected to the about as closely connected to you know the the handles of people's attention and political thought. What are they always trying to do? They're always trying to save the republic, to hearken back to a traditional Greco-Roman democratic republic style of government. That's what Greece had a democracy. People don't even realize that. Um, you know, I heard Joe Rogan saying that America was the first country in the world that had democracy. And, you know, that there was no republic ever. It's like he doesn't even know that yeah, Greece was a democracy and R Rome was a republic. Our form of republic, right? Yeah. I mean, Before it was an empire, it was a republic. And the empire that was sort of a tragic, you know, failure to maintain the republic. Uh, they had senators like we have senators. We are living in a recreation of the Greco-Roman empire. Um, our our Literal capital buildings are designed to look like Roman temples. They have pillars. They have it's neoclassical architecture. Our everything that is American and Western is designed to be a replica of the Greco-Roman system. And even the it, obelisks, even the obelisk statuary, the whole bit. It's it, Washington D.C. is a new Rome. It's basically like absolutely. A new Rome. Yeah, yeah. And the Catholic Church was sort of this bridge between all of that because the Roman empire fell, but it survived through the Vatican and through the, the ability for the papal states to be created. Uh, we talked about this last time, the idea of Charlemagne, the great being one of the riders of the four riders, uh, how the different riders come in and save the day, just like how you'd expect a horse, you know, rides in and saves something, you know, it's coming in to save Rome it's coming in to save this empire that Satan gave its throne to that has to last all the way until Jesus comes back. Although it's constantly failing, it's constantly dying. It's also constantly being revived by these champions right. that come by and maintain this beast system. And you'd some people say, you know, but the Catholic Church is Christian. That doesn't make any sense. Satan, you know, wouldn't uh, wouldn't call himself Christian. I mean. Come on, there's verses in there that says Satan has become an angel of light. He's making makes himself into an angel of light. Satan has no problem using the Christian identity and trying to control Christianity by having the dogmatic institution that polices Christianity to defines what Christianity is. He would love to be in charge of it because he would love to be Christ. And so he wants to do that. The, the Catholic Church being this um, I believe the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church, those are two, like you pointed out, there's the Western and Eastern Rome. I believe that's the second beast. Because you look Is at the, the second, Eastern Orthodox, Eastern. Eastern Orthodox and Ro Western Roman churches, they both come from Constantine. They both have this sort of shared route where Constantine went to uh, Greece or whatever. I don't even know what you call it, but he established it, Constantinople, obviously, named after himself. He established that city. He said that was the new Rome. That was the new headquarters. And it became the the headquarters of 
Byzantium, the whole Eastern Roman Empire. So now you have these two different branches of Rome that are growing up separately, gaining huge power to this day. Right. Um, and spiritually, like a prophet, like a spiritual leader, uh, inducting huge sections of the world to come in and give glory back to Rome, give glory back to these headquarters. There's two Romes, there's Constantinople and there's, there's Rome, but uh, what do you see? I'll just read some of the description of the second beast. It says, um, he had two horns like a lamb. You know, lamb imagery is undoubtedly Christian. Um, Jesus is the lamb. So it's two, it has two major sources of power. Horns are sources of power, um, you know, like animals that headbutt and stuff. You know, that's they, power. It's, throughout the whole Bible, do you see imagery of the horns being a sign of, of power? It's two Christian powers, basically. But it speaks like a dragon. So once you understand the dragon represents Satan, that's not that's actually explained in Revelation. You don't have to guess what the dragon is. It's clearly said to be Satan. So it has a satanic doctrine, but it appears to be Christian. Um, it says he exercises all the ruling authority of the first beast, meaning the Roman Empire, and made the whole world who inhabit it worship the first beast. Um, so what does the Catholic Church do? It's, it's always bringing you back to the church fathers, to the Roman authority, to the papacy, to the the original thing. Orthodox isn't as in your face about it, it's, isn't as obnoxious, it hasn't done as many evil things, but it does still want you to go back to Constantine, it still wants you to go back to the original sort of authority of Rome slash yeah. Constantinople. I mean, there are, those battles too, the Protestant battles, the Reformation or whatever, were vicious. Rome did never wanted to lose power ever and killed you know there's a hundred years war there's all kinds of strange things the holy roman empire like you said was kind of morphing all over europe but you know once the colonization occurred rome's power just became global like it really did especially latin america yeah. you understand when how central america they had a, they have an iron grip there and even even today in mexico if you kind of leave the church like you're in deep trouble like you get in trouble in France. They have the huge Huguenots, or you know, there's just so many people got oppressed. I, I mean, the U.S. was really started by people trying to kind of get away. Yes, from the, you know, Puritans were trying to get away from Rome, too, and they they couldn't get away and still followed them across so the ocean. And and this is probably where we have to go next is the idea of how is it that the secular sort of even if you want to say Freemasonic um, anti-Catholic renaissance protestant movement ended up being another replica of rome and sure. that is uh where the image of the beast comes in and that's sort of the third in a way you could think of it as a third beast although it's not really phrased that way there's really two beasts the second one if, if we if i just want to use plain language and not keep going back to the code words because i'm just going to explain my interpretation the Catholic Church, the Roman churches, we could say the two Roman churches, they create or cause mankind to create a replica of the first beast. The first beast being the Roman Empire. Um, the Greco-Roman system, if you want to think of it that way, 
but um, the first beast anyway, the, the Romans. And so it says, he told those who live on the earth, this is Revelation 13, verse 14, he told those who live on the earth to make an image to the beast who had been wounded by the sword but lived. So the, the Roman churches will cause the world to make a recreation of the Roman Empire, which failed but still somehow stuck around and survived through its its uh, you know child institutions basically, and that's the Renaissance. That's literally what Renaissance means. It's a revival. It is a reconstruction, and the whole thing was fueled by this influx of literature from the Greek historic, the Greek philosophers, the whole Byzantium influx after the the Muslims went and took over Constantinople. All that literature moved into Europe. Suddenly there was this explosion of Greek and Latin intellectualism, and that's the Renaissance. It's the idea that, um, you know, we don't need the Catholic Church anymore. We're just going to go back and become like the Greeks again. We're going to become like the Romans again. That's where all this, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, all this artwork, the architecture, the beautiful stuff that was created, it's all this homage to Rome. It was just a rediscovery of the Greco-Roman system. That's the image. And it came through the Roman church because the Roman church had all of those writings in, in Constantinople. When it fell, it just got imported to Europe, which was the Holy Roman Empire at the time, um, ruled by the, the Catholic church and the, the, whoever was the Holy Roman Emperor, and so that also created this fascination with the Greek and Roman. And if you look up the Renaissance in Wikipedia, any encyclopedia, they'll tell you um, that it's not, it's not a secret, it's not a theory that the Renaissance is defined by this rediscovery of the Roman, Greco-Roman intellectualism combined with humanism combined with the idea that we don't need a church, we don't need a God, we don't need um, faith at all. There's The Protestant Reformation is there at the same time, around the same time. But that's not, that, that sort of gets mixed in, and Protestants sort of take on this Renaissance flavor. Uh, but the main idea of the Renaissance is that God can be, or man can be his own judge. Um, man is the measure of all things. That was an old Greek saying. Uh, some Greek philosopher, uh, forget, Protagoras or somebody like that said it. And that became the motto of the Renaissance. And so now you have a recreation, an image of the beast, of Rome, that is based on humanism, is based on... Because even the pagans, even the Greeks and Romans... They had gods. In fact, they had many gods. They weren't even atheists. They weren't humanist. So from a biblical perspective, they're actually better than the humanist, the atheist who rejects any god and is stupid enough to somehow think that there's no god. And that's how you get to the mark of the beast. You have it being man's number 
and his number is 666. The number of mankind is 666. But the mark of the beast is a rejection of God, it, whether it's through this sort of secular worship of the state, state as God, um, the, the secular humanist sort of, we must save the republic at all costs. I mean, you can just look at all the crimes done by the CIA and the, the uh, international banks and all these things in the name of saving this republic, the I read Operation Gladio, one of the best books I've ever read in my life, Paul L. Williams, Operation Gladio. It's the hybrid of the CIA from its origin, from its inception. It was designed to destroy communism around the world um, and protect the capitalist interests, the capitalist territory and interests around the world. It teams up with the Vatican. The Vatican is in bed with the CIA right from the start and with Nazis, the Italian fascists specifically, and the, uh, uh, the banking system. So the banks are laundering the money, moving the money around. Uh, the CIA is doing war crimes everywhere. They're, they're giving money to warlords in exchange for drugs. They're selling the drugs to black people in New York uh, and, and wherever they're they can. overthrowing elections, doing all kinds of stuff. And Gladio is a Roman sword, right? That's the Roman sword. <laughs> it's literally, yeah. yes. So it's this idea of this Roman uh assertion of power from the military industrial complex, the international financial system and um, religious for under this religious guise, there's all these revolutions and interesting things happening in Rome in the forties and fifties and, and stuff where the fascists want to want to take power to defeat communism and all these things. I highly recommend people read the book. It'll open your eyes to just how extreme uh, this marriage in hell is between the secular, quote-unquote, secular Roman Democ Democratic Republic, the CIA, and yet it's teamed up with the Vatican. It's a, teamed up with a religious organization, and that's teamed up with fascists and who obviously are not democratic. They want to have their own system. That's the mark of the beast enterprise it's this idea you can't buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast i know that it says okay this is the this is the crux of it that people will fight back on the hardest verse 16 of revelation 13 says he caused everyone small and great rich and poor free and slave to obtain the mark on their right hand or their forehead that is so literal that it doesn't feel like it could possibly mean anything other than a personal implant or tattoo or something. And I just have to beg people to try to keep a little bit consistent with the rest of the chapter, the rest of the whole book of Revelation. I mean, if you want to be that literal, if, I know it's using very specific literal language. Absolutely. It is saying that every single person, small and great, rich or poor, is going to have a mark. No doubt. That's what the text says. But the text also says you're going to have a beast with 10 heads or seven heads and 10 horns. Do you believe that is literal? Do you believe that is a literal monster that is going to rise up out of this ocean and start to conquer the world? No, you don't believe that. And nobody believes that. We don't believe that there's going to be a second beast with two horns like a lamb that 
it's all metaphorical. Even though it's using very specific literal language, you have to decode it for it to mean anything. And so here, if you, th and I know it's just a theory, okay? I just want to put this out there. And, and I will also would like to explain the reason why this, for me, is personally so important to not throw around the term Mark of the Beast so casually. Um, is that this would be the banking system. This would be Operation Gladio, causing everyone to receive the mark of Rome, the mark of Rome, whether it's through the Catholic Church, a Latin American uh, type situation where the Catholic Church is running everything and the Italian mafia where they're running things through there and, and you have drugs going through, uh, bro uh, through uh, not brothels, but um, uh, monasteries and, and these different you know, uh, churches and cathedrals and stuff. The, the, the marriage between organized crime around the world the Catholic Church, on one hand, and then on the other hand, this secular, democratic, republican, Greco-Roman homage, Renaissance sort of revivalism uh, principles that we have in schools and we have all around the world and in Western culture, that's the mark of the beast, the, the inability on a national level this is talking about nations small and great nations rich and poor nations free and slave nations can't participate freely in any sort of economy they can't buy and sell unless they in some way give their allegiance to this system this octopus of total control where look at Gaddafi. Look at these different rulers who tried oh. to break away. Every time a country wants to get a sovereign currency and give independent of the banks and independent of the CIA and of this whole system, somebody's going to come in and kill them. It says those who did not worship the image of the beast would be killed. Congo, Libya, Indonesia, Iran, Syria, Iraq. Um, those are just like just to get started those are the ones we know of you know some yeah. of these other ones are just overthrown by love fraud but, and so uh, many of them are destroyed before they even get a chance to have a name you know the it's just a it's a non-stop um imperial impulse to eradicate anything that could financially compete with this system this beast system and that's the mark so does the mark of the beast exist already? Yes, it's existed for 500 years. When the Renaissance was created, you also had the revolution of the banking system, the idea of international banks, the Medici family. Um, they were deeply tied in with the Catholics. This they ran the, the Pope. They actually, it wasn't what you think. The Pope didn't select the Medicis. The banking family installed family members in the papacy. And exactly. at certain points, it was waning in power now. Like the papacies went through times of just incredible power. Exactly. Power, so, so the banks are are running the world, but they need the religious institutions, and the religious institutions need the banks, and it's sort of this unhappy uh, marriage that always exists in these evil conspiracies. Is they don't actually like each other, but they they need each other, and and so yes, a nation. No matter who you are, if you want to be financially independent, you want to have your own currency, you don't want to be beholden to this uh, world monetary uh, fund or 
the the debt system that they created. So the bank of settlements, I think, is really in Switzerland is like the big dog. Where all yes. the bankers are beholden to it. Yeah. Yeah, and and so I mean, um, look at the tariffs. I mean, even just the tariff system. The idea that um, we don't like what this country's doing. They're not really paying us any sort of homage. They're not uh, beholden to us. Well, okay, they're going to have a hell of a time trying to import and export anything. We're going to block their trade routes and all this. Else. If you start to understand the geopolitical scene for the last 500 years, it's all about you're either with us or you're against us. You're, you're either with this horrible... B system. I mean, look at the B system. What did it? Drugs, slavery, conquest, mass murder, genocide, democide. Like the beast. I mean, you can see all these systems... As and, like just a meat grinder, yeah. And I would argue that one of the big sort of, uh, from a biblical perspective, because God's priorities are slightly different than ours, one of his main concerns is the fact that it's a godless uh, empire. That's sort of the big red flag that God is looking at, is, is like, look, they teach atheism. They teach this humanistic point of view. They don't fear God. Or they have this corrupted Catholic form, this idea of the papacy being the leadership of Christianity, where he can forgive sins and condemn people and create papal bulls that justify um, the, like the doctrine of discovery that tells all the kings that they can go and conquer any foreign nation and totally rob them blind and do anything they want with them, as long as they're doing it in the name of Christ. That, that's just the exact inversion of that's the satanic inversion of the gospel where you go and you right. give people things, you help them and you, you show them love and you're their number one friend and then they love you. And then they turn to Christ This is the exact satanic inversion where you go and you conquer everything with the one guy sitting on a throne telling everybody um, this is how you have to do it. So with that established, if I would, if I can just get to why this to me is um, it, it's so important not to just say that, the technology, the microchip, or the the biometric system is the mark it's of the, the beast. It's the easiest way to think about it. It's to look at it literally, even though this is totally symbolic language, at least at the beginning. Like the beasts are obviously symbols from Daniel, right? Yes. And, and so here's the thing. People say, well, okay, even if that's all interesting and that's all true, I, I still, I know in my bones that this biometric, you know, digital control system is evil and I'm going to resist it with all I have, and they're probably going to kill me if I don't take it, or I'm going to die somehow. And so it may as well be the mark of the beast. It's so important to resist it. Okay, good. You can, you can stand on that principle, but look at what the Bible says about people who have the quote-unquote mark of the beast, and think about the difference between my definition, which is atheism, a rejection of God, this worship of the state, this inversion of reality where you're justifying a satanic empire, and you don't love God or fear God. That's a very spiritual, religious thing. Right. Um, it says in Revelation chapter 14, one chapter later, verse 9, it says an angel is declaring this. If anyone worships the beast, which I would say is the Roman system in all of its different incarnations, and his image, which is the, the secular version of it, the image of the beast, and takes the mark on his forehead or his hand, forehead representing your mind, your intellect, your um, spiritual life, your mental life, and your hand representing your, your work, what you do, what you accomplish. This is 
common metaphors throughout the Old Testament. This isn't invented in Revelation. You can go back and check other places. God says that his word should be between your forehead, your, the eyes of your forehead, and it should be on your right hand. That's why Jews wrap the, literally wrap their their Tephil, hand with... Tephilim, yeah. That yeah. box they put on their forehead is literally full of the Bible. And you'll see that in Jerusalem. Exactly. Wailing so, wall, things like that. It's a very established thing. The right hand and the forehead are established metaphors as well. It doesn't have to be a physical thing. So if you, in your intellect or in your lifestyle, your work that you accomplish, you are effectively worshiping the image of the beast, the, the Roman Empire, this global system of evil that is always conquering and always suppressing the truth. It says in verse 10, that person will also drink of the wine of God's anger that has been mixed and undiluted in the cup of his wrath, he will be tortured with fire and sulfur in front of the holy angels in front of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torture will go up forever and ever, trillions of years, doesn't matter, forever and ever, and those who worship the beast and his image will have no rest day or night along with anyone who receives the mark of his name. And again, no one cares about the idea of the name. Um, they think it's just the Antichrist. But from my point of view, that's justice if we're talking about the atheist, anti-God cabal that is running the world and that people devote their lives to that instead of to God and to what is good. From your point of view, and I'm not saying you, I'm saying the audience, the people I've dealt with hundreds of times who are arguing with me on this, the people I deal with, they say, no, that's, that's a, a microchip or that's a tattoo or that's an injection or something like that. So you're saying God is going to send granny the the person who's been a church server her whole life and has been a flawless mother and grandmother and raised her kids right and taught the bible and she just didn't know better and so she got this injection or she signed up for something um she now took this piece of technology and no one was around to warn her properly she's going to go to hell and be tortured forever and ever in fire because she Oh, okay. Well, then the other argument I hear is, well, no, I mean, everybody knows that this is an evil mark, that this, that once they implement this global control digital system, it's, it's going to be pure evil. It will be the mark of the beast. Excuse me? Then where's the deception? Satan is always a deceiver. Satan is the one who deceives the whole world. That's throughout the whole book of Revelation is that he, he conquers through deception. So now Christians are the ones telling everyone there's a mark of the beast coming it doesn't exist yet but it's coming and if you take that you're going to be you're going to go to hell and you're going to deserve to go to hell even if you've been a christian because and you love god but because you did this thing so that you could buy or sell you're now going to go to hell with satan forever and to me that's a very heartless um reckless thing to say um it would be better to just say you don't know but to but to phrase this whole thing frame this whole thing as some innovation that satan could create or scientists or whoever could create that either has the power inherently i've heard people say this that no it changes your dna the 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 vaccine changes your DNA or something. And that is what separates you from God. And, and that will send you to hell and other people, there's all these theories and speculations around how this 
works on a technological level, I think is blasphemous. I think it's sacrilegious. I think it's, it's kind of insane. Although I do understand why people are scared and they're jumping to conclusions. Just think about, from God's point of view, how, why would he punish people that much for doing something perhaps totally ignorantly um, with good intentions? Maybe you want to buy and sell my book. Maybe I want to sell my right. book that is about the Bible and getting people to try to worship God. Well, right, but that's I mean, the difference in the revelation is you're worshiping the beast, you're literally worshiping it. And then it says on that, just on that revelation 14, it says 12, here's the patience of the saints. Here they are that keep the commandments of God and faith of Jesus. So it's juxtaposing obedience, keeping the commandments and the faith of Jesus, right? Which against this kind of uh, thing that where, you know, people are worshiping this beast system, right? And the beast system totally is here today. We're totally in a beast system, total control of social security number and all that stuff. So, and if they pull off what they're trying to do, if they pull off the, because I believe they want people to believe in the Antichrist, they want people to be terrified of an Antichrist and a mark of the beast, so that when they implement whatever their thing is with their their digital currency, whatever it is, Christians will be the first ones to freak out. They will warn everyone. There will be a giant falling away. You will have Christians accusing Christians saying, you took the mark of the beast. You are going to hell forever. I have nothing to do with you anymore. You're going to betray each other. And there's going to be this pandemonium hysteria around this idea that now the mark of the beast is here. It's around us. Uh, my, there, I had somebody in my church took the, what I call the mark of the beast. I'm accusing him of doing this. Think about how the psyop of getting Christians to buy into this and the idea of the Antichrist, which might be a whole separate conversation, but the, the Bible does not emphasize the Antichrist nearly the way that people do, especially once you, because you can remove the beast from the equation entirely. Um, you know, there's the little horn in Daniel chapter seven, that clearly is some sort of end times figure and stuff. It, it's a separate conversation, but you're right. Right here. It says, you know, it requires the endurance of the faith, those who obey God's commandments and hold to their faith in Jesus. That's my translation I'm reading. That does juxtapose the mark of the beast very logically from my point of view, because the mark of the beast is atheism. It's a rejection of the true commandments of God. It's the rejection of the Bible, the biblical gospel, uh, whether it's, you know, Catholicism also rejects the biblical gospel and, and forces you to confess to a priest and and, you know, uh, says that the bishop stands in the place of God and all these things, right. and the Eucharist and all these rituals and stuff the that they want to do. Transmogrification of, of it's the literal blood. Like, come on, man. Yeah, it, it's so strange. warped that it's not the commandments of God and the, and the gospel of Jesus. That makes perfect sense logically with what I said, is that the mark of the beast is this rejection of what God says. Right. Um, whether you're putting yourself in the place of God, which is the mark of the beast 666, it is man's number. Um yeah, you or can just throw that communism and Marxism in with that too, you know, this kind true. of uh, secular humanism. Because that's a flat-out total rejection of God, and the state is your savior. We're all together, and the state's going to save us, which... And so again, there's Anything this further dichotomy. from the truth happened, I mean, in reality. Exactly, and, and Satan creates his talk own about, false... Yeah, talk about a pipe dream or a psyop or deception. Communism is a full deception if you look at how it played out in real time. Wow. Absolutely. And so you have that. I, I can say it's just Satan always creates these false dichotomies where 
where the solution and the problem are always playing off each other, but they're both completely wrong. And God is always sort of this third alternative that nobody, none of the intellectuals of the world want to talk about. Right. And, and that's the case with communism and these, this hyper-capitalist imperialism and, and the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church. Which one is correct? And then it's sort of like, you know, those two are at war with each other, supposedly, but they both trace their power to the same thing. They're basically copies of each other, just one is a little bit more mystical and one is a little more dogmatic. And, and, and then you just compare that to this idea of this technological financial system where uh, the whole thing hinges on whether you might even accidentally get the mark of the beast. Um, I mean, it's, it's sort of like, well, people might be going to hell forever and be tortured and, and God hates them more than anything, not because they reject him. You could love God with your heart and then take this technology somehow. So that's to me the, the tragedy of the paranoia that I'm seeing. And, and that's what I saw in that Alex Jones uh, interview on Tim Pool. And I see it all over on TikTok is this idea that there's just now the mark of the beast is just now approaching us like a product, like an iPhone. Right. And it's going to start sending people to hell forever. Um, it's biblically almost illiterate and it's very callous. It doesn't take into consideration the big picture of the Bible. And I really appreciate you letting me come on and actually try to break that down and explain it. Well, I, I think you've won, won a convert because I think I agree with you. Because you have to see Revelation in context of Ezekiel and Daniel, the same thing, these beasts. And the explanation in Daniel should play over to Revelation. So I think you're right. I think people are making a mistake, like a literal uh, mistake, instead of like you know, worshiping still, the beast. Yeah. We can still oppose this technology with 100%. I do it on Hervoy March's show on TNT Radio. Every week we're talking about the CBDCs and the and the biometrics and the implants and all these things. We're exposing it. We oppose it. I, I expose it. I hate that stuff, okay? I want a free market and cash and all these things. I'm not endorsing anything that the World Economic Forum is trying to do. But I can keep that separate from the religious significance. And I think that it's a psyop. I do think that they are deliberately trying to set up Christianity for a great falling away. I could go to Matthew 24 and all these different chapters in the New Testament to show you that Jesus himself predicted that there would be a time of tribulation where there'd be a lot of deception and so many Christians would fall away. I think that's the real thing they're setting up is this paranoia and schism and fracturing of the Christian faith by implementing these, this paranoid um, accusation that, that they're setting up. So there's probably going to be multiple interpretations of what the mark of the beast is when, and if they decide to sort of go full force with it. And then you'll see some pastors went and they, they took this thing and another one decided to sign up for that program. And then what do you know? Now suddenly you, you're accusing these uh, church leaders of being propagators of the beast system and the mark of the beast. So then you have another schism, bloody schism, you know, of fighting and stuff like that. Just a, what was the great schism between Orthodox and Rome and Christianity it was 1066. So they were fighting like the Roman sacked Constantinople. So There'll be just another schism, modern schism, a bunch of uh, different Christians trying to fight each other, kill each other, something like that, which is, uh, they've been very good at it in the past. But Terry, we are at the 55-minute mark. Where can people find you stuff? Really great conversation. I think uh, I think I, I agree with what you said. 
what uh, your website is wolfpox.com Wolfpox, that's, right. that's the main one uh w-o-l-f-p-o-x there's no e in there my last name has wolf with an e but wolfpox is just w-o-l-f-p-o-x um, that's my handle from back in the day it's my tiktok handle so that's my website name um, that has direct links to amazon and, and barnes and noble if you want to buy books um they are available digitally uh, that and people are buying those and they love the digital ones and it also has links to my tiktok my my sub stack and um, a lot of things that uh, if you're a supporter of mine and you want to follow me on more places um, please go check it out check out those links um, technically there's a link to like a bitcoin donation stuff i set up initially but uh, <laughs> i'm not i never ask people to donate something like bitcoin but Yes, that, that's where I'm sort of concentrating all the links. In one place, you can go find everything. So is your website, and if people want to contact you or reach out to you, they can also do it through your website, too, if, if they yeah, can't find email. your social media right now. Okay. Yeah, right at the top, there's an email for me. And uh, yeah, it, and, and I do have a sub stack where I write articles. Um, mostly they're more political and, and analytical than than sort of breaking down the, the concepts in my books of the theology, but I... This is what I love to do the most is to have exactly the discussion we just had and to go to the Bible and to explain the logic of things from a religious theological point of view. And and that's why I was such a thrill to be on and talk awesome. about it. Thanks for coming back on. So, uh, again, uh, author is Terry Wolf, W-O-L-F-E, and book we discuss is Research into Revelation. Maybe everyone is wrong. Revelation's conspiracy and the kingdom of heaven. Thanks so much for your time. Stay there.